0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: happy wednesday welcome to the front row tom and keith are here never fear kj good to see you again good to be here I've been seeing more and more of you because basketball season is underway, so we have spent some time together. Plying at the time. our trade. Plying our trade. We will talk Florida State basketball today. Granted, the opposition has not been overwhelming, but that was a mid-major last night that they made look pretty silly.
2: Well, a mid-major that made the tournament. Uh, you got Winthrop coming up on Friday, which has uh, competed, I believe, in their championship game for like the four or five years in a row, past four or five years. Uh, and they're automatic qualifying into the tournament when they do win that and then uh, you got Detroit on Sunday you got, by my count four games in eight days and then you travel up to New York for back-to-back games on Thursday and Friday of Thanksgiving so uh, and come back on a Sunday game after the Florida football guys that's, that's there's some games coming up
1: there are some games coming up so we'll talk FSU basketball by the way Jonathan Isaac he's only two games in most impressive statistic in my opinion and I don't I didn't total them up he led the team in scoring last night He's played 35, 38 minutes, something like that, one turnover. How many times you get a guy that's 6'10 that comes in in his first two games and he's only turning the ball over once? His
2: story, and, and I haven't had him tell me about it and I haven't talked to his coach, so I've only anecdotally, you and I have discussed this a little bit, but as like a junior in high school, he's a 6'3", which in high school is a little tall to be a guard or a point guard. Right. I'm, not, I'm not sure if he was the one or the two, but he's playing guard at 6'3". And then over that winter and next summer, he grows seven inches. And now he's six foot ten. But he still dribbles the basketball. I mean, they, they will let him and ask him to bring the ball up without an outlet pass when he secures the defensive rebound. That's how much confidence they have in him. And you're exactly right. He handles the ball with a – with an affinity that, uh, you know, a 5'10 guy would normally be associated with. Um, and then he steps back and shoots that three ball. He'll get in there and bang it up. And the other thing about him, Tommy, is he's slight. He's not He's not a big guy. He's not an ojo. Uh, he'll he'll put on some weight when he gets in there with Bradley in the weight room. He's not and thin and frail, though. Yeah, he could it, use some that, weight. He yeah. could. But my point is he doesn't get moved and knocked around like – uh kumaji did and even to, to, to the degree that boris did um i mean he holds his ground he knows how to you know get that base down get get into his stance uh maybe he's, you can say he's got a little bit stronger trunk not his nose and um <laughs> thanks just, for clarifying yeah and just the ability to hold his ground as a youngster also is pretty impressive
1: i would just suggest i mean we're two games in and they haven't played acc caliber competition but in basketball, you tend not to miss on on recruiting. If they if they tell you the kid can play in the sport of basketball, generally he can play, and it's pretty apparent that Jonathan Isaac can play. I think what Leonard said was, uh, yeah, he's efficient. We'll take what do you have? Twenty points on eight shots.
2: Twenty points in like twenty three minutes. Yeah, on eight shots. On eight, yes, shots. eight shots. And, eight and shots. meanwhile,
1: Sam Cassell Jr. had twenty seven points on
2: 20, 28, 27. Whatever. Whatever it was. It was on, on 18 18 shots. 20 shots on 20 yeah, shots. Yeah, it was a different deal. But i tell you. All right, it, we've
1: already it, gotten into basketball. We're going to talk about this later.
2: Well, last comment, on it, and I'll let you direct otherwise. How neat was it to just watch Sam Jr.? I don't know Sam Jr. I didn't have did a chance to meet him last night. He
1: looked a lot like Sam Sr. in many respects. He does. He had, that little bit skin, had those
2: skinny calves and those skinny ankles, if you'll remember. Uh, he was fearless. He would throw the ball up from 22, 23, and a lot of times it went in. Uh, I know that uh, as an old-timer, I mean, I I watched his daddy play, and obviously I watched uh, XRM's dad play and and others that have come through, the legacy players. I guess technically we're not supposed to call Junior, Cassell Jr., a legacy player because he's not playing for Florida State. But just to see them back out on the court that their fathers played on – uh, I'm sorry, I reminisced a little bit. I thought it You're was great. You're getting old and sentimental. That's I what's even happening. asked, uh, and I think it probably offended Leonard a little bit because I, during the post game, I, I talked about Junior. Asked Leonard about Junior. Here we are talking about the opposing player on his post game show, uh, but it was just kind of neat. I mean, you look up there and see his his number one and him put in a three, and then you glance up to the rafters and his dad's number ten is hanging. I'm sorry. I just I find that very fascinating, very interesting, very entertaining. Can we move on now? Yes, please.
1: Let's complain about the college football playoff committee. Because we haven't had to do this in a couple of
2: years. I, but I got nothing to complain about right now. I think well, they did exactly the what they're supposed to this week.
1: No, but what's what's interesting, I got home from the basketball game last night and I look at Twitter and it's like 4 hours of people trying to defend the indefensible. I mean, everybody's making the case for their team. It just it still bothers me that we put 12 people in a room and decide this. We just need to get past it. You win your conference. You want
2: 12 servers and
1: 12 computers in a room? What do you want? Is there any other sport known to man where we have people flip
2: coins to determine who's in the playoffs and who's not? What I hear you saying is you would like to mesh the old school and the new school. The old school is that you reward winning your conference championship regardless of what your record is. If you win your conference championship, Correct. you get into the playoff. Correct. And if we go to eight teams, we can therefore have the five automatic qualifiers from the five conferences that right now, the way it's consisted, make up this thing called the FCS or FBS or Odo Remy whatever we call it, <laughs> and then have the committee or the computers or a combination of both vote on the three, quote, unquote, at-large bids that we get extended if or when we go to eight teams in the playoff. Have I articulated that a little bit? You
1: took about four minutes longer than I would have to get there, but yes, you have. Well, I've been known to do that. And then we could have the committee and people could still argue about it, but uh, you would at least know that you had a path if you wanted. Louisville would still be in a mess right now because they're not in line to win the conference, and they can complain and make their case or whatever. But one thing that has not changed from the BCS era and the poll era and everything else – it's a pretty simple formula. If you win all your games, you're going to be playing for the title at the end. Alabama's not complaining right now about where they are in the CFP. No, they're not. How about this for a change? How many times... You didn't offer whether you want that model or you just prefer to have, have old guys sitting around in a room. Have
2: not sat beside me for several years now? Well, I'd like you to articulate your case. I want an 18 playoff, five automatic qualifiers, three at, at large. Next.
1: Well, see, you just made the case in, in 12 seconds instead of two minutes like you did previously.
2: Oh, I'm ambidextrous. Well, let's, let's, so let's advance this a little bit. Yeah, that's anti-amphibious. Okay, one more. I have one. No, I can't swim. One more comment. How many times have we seen a potential Heisman Trophy candidate whose candidacy has fallen by the wayside despite numbers because the team lost games? This year, we've got a team in Louisville – although they've only lost one game and it's only been to Clemson, I would suggest to you that those that are continuing to want Louisville to be considered are doing it because of Lamar Thomas's numbers. It's Lamar Jackson in one of these days. I keep
1: calling him Thomas. You, you've called him Lamar Thomas for the last two years. Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Thomas Jackson.
2: is still fighting or saying things about the FIU Lamar fight with Jackson, Miami right now. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. Listen to the message. <laughs> Louisville continues to get talked about and not discounted because they're not going to play in the championship game most likely the ACC championship game they continue to get talked about because of his performance whereas in years past it's been the exact opposite do you agree disagree or I, you lost about me
1: someone that are in there I, I don't the Lamar Thomas thing threw me off track. Okay.
2: Lamar Jackson is dragging Louisville into the conversation for the playoff as opposed to you're saying if they didn't past. have a heisman
1: candidate louisville wouldn't be fifth right now in the cfp no it, you could probably make that case because their schedule certainly not getting them there exactly. he's, he's been a dynamic player exactly no question no question about that I, I just i'm glad that from a florida state standpoint i haven't had to be frustrated by here and jimbo joked about game control this week uh you know the committee just sort of brings out these different things and it, it changes but it, it, we i think we will and Jimbo referenced this on Monday, too. We're going to get to an expanded playoff here. Now, it may take, if memory serves, we're in a 12-year TV cycle right now and a 12-year agreement with the
2: Bulls. That got nothing to do with nothing. They can change that overnight. They can.
1: They can. But they won't change it until everybody has had an equal share. In other words, right now we go in this rotation where there's two bowls that get it.
2: Disagree. They can they can factor it. Oh, they, the one, they thing, can, keep, the they one thing they can, but the one thing they can, but they won't. The one thing keeping the biggest the biggest thing keeping this from happening is the Rose Bowl's continued obstinance that they're the Rose Bowl and the Granddaddy of them all. You know, you, that doesn't get talked about a lot, but behind the scenes, the Rose Bowl is a problem. You, you got to well, drag they, them into the well. They've picture. got
1: the Rose Bowl in the mix. The problem there. That's why we had. Playoff games on New Year's Eve because they won't give up their window, but that's not why we don't have a sixteen playoff right now. 16 six or eighteen? There's different models.
2: Six won't even work. That's a dumb idea. That'll lo- be eight.
1: Now, there's lots of people that have proposed six. I, I'm eight. Eight. I'm fine eight. with six Only or eight, eight. Because-
2: Only eight. Only eight. Only eight. And then you take the lower tiered bowls, you play those either day after Christmas or the weekend after Christmas, and you just fold them right in. It's very simple. Not hard and they can change that 12-year contract anytime they want to.
1: I'm just suggesting, Mr. Narrowmind, that there is a chance to have six teams and make it work as well.
2: Six teams would be worse than four teams.
1: It might be, and then we'd get to eight teams, and ultimately we'll get to 16.
2: No, 16 will never work. You'll never have 16.
1: (laughs) So you just want to go to eight and take your ball and go home? Yes. Well, I'd be okay with that. There you go. But I'm just suggesting, back to the point I was making, is that each set of bowls that's hosting the playoffs is going to get an equal turn to host it. So they might be able to change it after six years, When everybody has had their turn, more than likely it'll change when the TV contract is up. And they could rip up the TV contract, certainly. The ACC just extended its TV deal in the middle of a run.
2: What would you like to talk about? If, now? if if we had a TV camera on me, you would see me being an opposite of a bobblehead. The bobblehead goes up and down. Like yes, my head's going back and but forth. But people like don't no. need the TV to me, understand. I, they, my head is fixing to spin, what spin what around. You look like
1: right now, KJ, my They've head
2: to, is fixing to spin around. It's going to be like Poltergeist and what was the name of that horror show where the, the girl's head turned around. I, 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 I don't movie, know. Is this, movie, is this a movie?
1: 19, a nineteen sixty four
2: reference? Oh, jeez, The Exorcist. Thank you. You can talk, Tom. You don't have to turn the microphone off. The other Tom. The other. Good Tom. I understand. One. I understand. The Exorcist. Oh, my out. head's
1: fixing to do a three sixty. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to Madison Social by pointing out right at this after moment this time point, after this segment that they well, are a, what proud a great of this what program. a great
2: restaurant Centrale is. We
1: did go to Centrale Ooh. last week. Had uh, way more to eat for lunch than I needed to, but we actually can point out that it was it was very good, very awesome. Enjoyable. Madison Social. By the way, we're probably going to get in trouble for this. Uh, because they I don't think they can technically have a promotion and mention his name but Florida State plays at 3:30 on Saturday against Syracuse and when number 4 breaks the all-time rushing record they're going to have a champagne toast so you can do the math on that and that's going on this weekend number, speaking, of which, four,
2: speaking of which speaking of which let's do McFadden this McFadden is running the ball the now. one on
1: offense the one on offense if the number 4 on defense breaks the all-time rushing record this weekend it will be an impressive show against Syracuse I'm going to say, let's see, we'll go we'll go two-and-a-half carries. Are you going over and under for how – is it going to take more or less for Dalvin to get to 19 Syracuse? yards against Syracuse? I'm going under. You're going under. So the first or second carry of the game this week, he's going to break the record.
2: All right. I was just checking. And think about this. You mentioned this to me, educating me. Syracuse two years ago is basically where Dalvin quote-unquote ran onto the scene. Uh, and got his first significant playing time. And, of course, Jimbo in his Monday press conference talked about the litany of backs that have come out of Syracuse that are just household and Hall of Fame names. How neat in that regard that Dalvin may set the FSU record uh, at Syracuse and depending on how many yards he gets, he actually go over 4,000 in the, although they didn't play in it, but in the house that the running backs built for Syracuse. Yeah, the name Jim Brown comes to mind. I always remember Larry Zonka and and uh, and it's just crazy. And to further the I'm older than dirt. In fact, when I was a young man, the dead sea was only sick. I played in <laughs> Syracuse. I played in Syracuse before they even had the dome. I played in old Archbold Stadium. How about
1: that? Which leads to one of the great things we bring up every time FSU plays in the Carrier Dome. It's, the Thriller. No, it's named for an air conditioning company, and there's no air conditioning
2: in the Carrier Dome. This is true. And you, you remember the double doors? The dadgum ceiling is head, held up by air pressure. You have to go through double doors. You right. go the outer doors, you well, get in the it vestibule, the with the blah, blah, blah. Well, right. they, they changed it. They fixed it. I roof. said was. In fact, that's second, second renovation. second renovation is now. Man, done you, are, you are in a rough frame of mind today. We're
1: gonna to try to continue this show uh, after this segment mercifully for your sake we're done with uh, at least 10 or 12 minutes of it right now we'll come back and do more damage on the front row right after this
0: you are listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones got a question email them at the front row at 979espnradio.com. here's Tom and Keith
1: On the front row, we'll continue our conversation about Florida State basketball. Tom and Keith with you, and we'll go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to Xavier Rattan Mays, Florida State's men's team, out to a 2-0 and start so far this year. X, how you doing? I'm
3: good. How are you?
1: Good. So 2-0 and thus far, that's not a surprise that the record is where it is. What have you been pleased with and displeased with thus far in terms of the team's play through two games?
3: Uh I don't think we're displeased with anything I think uh there's always room for improvement. there's always areas to get better in but I think we've been doing a really good job defensively uh we're letting our defense kind of dictate our offense uh getting stopped getting not uh, being able to get out and run and our team chemistry is just on a, a whole another level right now so we're we're really pleased with where we are right now, but we're not satisfied so um we're looking to we're looking to keep winning and uh keep getting better each and every day.
2: Uh, KJ here. Basketball of all the big team sports, you play with five people at one time on a court. You mentioned that chemistry; uh, it's so vital, so important uh, at the basketball game of basketball. Talk a little bit about you, older guys, and how you've been able to work in these younger guys, uh, because that chemistry is very noticeable on the court through two games. Uh,
3: it just it just kind of thinks during the summer. I think. We developed that uh, relationship off the court in the summer, just always being around each other, really getting to know each, one another, uh, constantly uh, doing things together, and I think it really translated to the court, and um, like you said, it's really visible now that uh, we're on the court, we're playing games, we, we know each other, we know uh, each other's spots, and uh, we just we're just out there playing to one another.
2: Tom did the uh, TV last night. I did the radio. I commented to him when we came uh, and started uh, talking uh, after the game. Uh, you look like DeAndre Francois out there. As many times as you got hit and took tumbles, how, how, I know. I know you mentioned that you're okay, but but how okay are you? It was a pretty physical game last night.
3: Uh, I'm doing good. It's just uh, I took a couple falls there, but nothing that treatment can't fit. <laughs>
1: FSU beats Iona 99-78 to last night, and Xavier Rattan Mays joins us. He had nine points, four boards, two assists last night. I want to continue the, the conversation about chemistry because you told me last week when we talked that uh, you, you and Dwayne Bacon have worked very hard to get on the same page, and, and really the two of you are sort of co-leaders of this team. I want you to just elaborate on, on what your relationship is like with Dwayne and how it's grown over the past year.
3: Yeah, me and uh, me and Bank did, uh, um we really put an emphasis on really getting to know each other uh, on a personal level this summer, and I think it's it's really translated um, onto the floor. We know, uh, we know both him and I, and the coaches, staff, and our team, and, and our coaches t- told us that um, if this team is going to be successful, it's going to be predicated on us and and how we play and how we lead these guys, and so we really just took that to heart and. Um, I think we've done a really good job of, uh, of being leaders of the team, uh, getting to know each other really well. And, um, that's that's like my brother, and um, I think we've we've done a good job of kind of coming together and, and leading in the right way.
1: There's several newcomers on this team, and obviously Jonathan Isaac has been the headliner, but Trent Forrest has played pretty well. Here in the early going, and uh, I'm just curious what you can share about Trent and also CJ and just some of the newcomers, particularly on the perimeter, that uh, you maybe are a little bit more familiar with and, and, and are working closely with.
3: Yeah, John, Trent, and CJ—they all three of them have been doing a great job for us. Uh, they each—they each bring something different to the table. When CJ comes in and he's like that bulldog for us. He, he gets after the point guard defensively. He's gonna—he's gonna play solid for us. He's gonna make the right plays. And Trent, same thing. He's doing a great job. He's scoring the ball right now. Uh, he's he's picking his spots on where to score. And John's just going to be John. He's he's a six eleven three, and um, it's hard to find. So they're all special in their own way, and they're all doing a great job uh, coming in and contributing uh, to the team.
2: Exits. Uh, pardon me. It's arguable that you've had to change your mentality over the last three or four months. The end of last season, coming into this season. Uh, your natural instinct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is you're, you you can score uh, and you like scoring, but this team needs you to be uh, a facilitator. Uh, talk about your mentality and how to change that thought process and how difficult and how hard you worked over the summer to make that happen.
3: I don't think I've changed my mentality at all. Coach Hamilton didn't want me to change my mentality. He, he just wanted me to find more of a balance, uh, knowing when to get guys involved and then knowing when to score. Coach Hamilton. Has implemented a new system this summer where he's given me the freedom to be more aggressive uh but in these last two games um there's scout reports that kind of key in on me and bake there's, there's 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 different things that go along with the game with pressing teams or, um as a point guard i got to be able to get the ball off the floor and uh get quick baskets for for other for other guys and um i don't think i really had to change my mindset it's just knowing when to when to be aggressive, and then when to get guys involved. So, um, like I said, I haven't had to change much. Coach Hamm's done a great job of putting me in position to be successful, and I'm just going to keep riding with that.
1: We're talking with Xavier Rattan Mays, the old men's basketball team, 2-0. and They play again Friday night against Winthrop at 7 o'clock and then Sunday at 5 against Detroit before heading to New York City for a, a tournament at Barclays. X, this came up on the TV broadcast last night watching Sam Cassell Jr. play because Keith and I are both old enough to remember Sam Cassell the first uh, playing here at the Tucker Center and i'm old enough both of us to remember watching
2: your dad play as well loved your dad ex loved your dad love you but loved <laughs> your loved your dad
1: I, i'm curious uh do you guys still play some one-on-one or have some three-point shooting contests when you're around i imagine he can still fill it up pretty good so uh, uh when did you get i'm gonna assume you have the upper hand at this point but but how old did you have to get before you got the upper hand from your old man
3: well uh, no more one-on-one because uh He's too competitive, and he doesn't like losing. You know? <laughs> he doesn't have a Us so old he guys get that shoot. way, X. We get that way. <laughs> but uh, we, um, we'll shoot we we'll shoot sometimes. He, he still shoots the ball. He shoots the ball at a super high level, and um, he's uh, he's dad. So, you know, you always got to kind of respect his game, respect what he's done in the past. But um, for the one-on-one thing, he, he don't really got a chance anymore.
2: X, had you ever met Sam Jr. prior to uh, Tuesday night?
1: No, I have. He he uh sir, he reminded us of Sam senior certainly the way he filled it up. Let me ask you for you uh personally. What what things and we've talked about uh or you just elaborated on uh sort of your mindset and what coach Ham wants you to do this year, but in terms of specific things like when you go to practice today or this week, what are you focused on? Where are you trying
3: to get better individually? Uh shooting wise and just being just becoming a better leader each and every day my team um my team needs me to be that leader. The younger guys look up to me a whole lot. They always asking me questions, so I gotta, I gotta always make sure I'm in tune, I'm ahead of our scout reports. I know stuff. Um, like, like I'm another coach on the floor, and that's something I've worked on a lot. Is being that true extension on the floor of Coach Hamilton. And um, like I guess just when I go into practice every day, it's, I'm not focusing on, on myself or my offense or anything like that. That stuff's just that's naturally gonna come because of who I am. And, I'm just focusing on on being a great leader for our team, uh, being a great teammate, and and just helping us win ball games.
1: Well, you're off to a 2-0 start. Congratulations on that, and we will see you uh, Friday night uh, next time out for the
3: Knowles. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. All right, that is Xavier
1: Rattan-Mays. His uh, Florida State is 2-0. We appreciate him taking a few minutes to join us on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. KJ, he's a fourth-year junior now. And uh, it certainly has been a change in terms of you think back to he's the only freshman in the history of the ACC to go thirty plus points three times, and he did it at the Dean Dome. He did it in that four minute stretch at Miami. I mean, he was prolific, but he's got enough help around him right now, and he's got enough talent that he can set up his teammates, and and still just uh, by default, he's going to end up with ten or twelve points a game.
2: Well, he said something that's interesting to me, and and in one degree, I need to apologize to our listeners that I wasn't aware of this uh, lack of homework on my part, but. Uh, He talked about a change in the system. You remember I asked him about the change in his attitude, and and obviously he's a competitor. He's not going to admit that he's had to change anything. He still thinks he can put uh, 30 points up in in less than five minutes and probably can. Uh, But he mentioned the change in the the system a little bit. Uh, That's the first time I've heard that talked about, and and that's interesting to me because I think uh, that recognizes that uh, Leonard and his staff knew that they had a different skill set particularly with these young kids coming in and the things that they had done in the past. Uh, Florida State averaged about 77, 78 ball points a ball game last year over the course of the season. Obviously, it's just a two-game sample size, but they're averaging 90 points. or are a little better than that through two games. That'll change, obviously, when you get into the ACC schedule. But as, as close – And tightly controlled as that program is I'd simply ask you that's the first time I've heard that had you heard that I find that very very interesting and and very enlightening
1: well I hadn't heard it specifically no but obviously there's been a sea change in terms of being a program that hangs your hat on defense and winning games 55 to 53 and now they've opened it up they run at a a much better uh, quicker pace Uh, and the and the thing that we've talked about and uh, I forget offhand what they call I think they call it their bust-out break, but basically everybody on the team. The football for, field,
2: you call it the jailbreak. I mean, yeah,
1: save <laughs> for, for who? Ojo and Jarquez Smith and probably Kumaji. Anybody else on the court that gets a rebound, they, they've they got the green light to push well, it. They well, don't have to look for somebody to out. I mean, exactly.
2: Stan said put your head down and run if you don't have the ball. That's, yeah. that's their command. It's just their – you
1: know, and, and Iona – you may have missed this last night, uh, listeners, and Iona lost four seniors from last year. But but um, Iona has, a few years ago, they were the top-scoring team in the country, and they they'd like to go pretty fast and shoot some threes too, and Florida State just ran them off the court. I mean, that, that game, I, what, from the 15-minute mark to the end
2: of the game was decided. Yeah. I did notice early on that when the ball went up, when Iona took a shot, there was nobody crashing the offensive glass. They were turning to get back. They had seen tape and had heard about Florida State's uh, transition uh, uh, Well,
1: I think that and it was going to be a – futile effort to crash the boards because they were outflanked with the fsu
2: very well download, said so. very well said all
1: right we'll come back continue uh tim Lineveld, our seminoles.com insider will join us in a little bit we haven't talked very much football must be basketball we're, season we're
2: reasonably happy for at least we for week.
1: we haven't had much to complain about
2: but uh, i guess we'll talk a little bit
1: we talked college football playoff we didn't talk fsu football we'll do that when we come back in the front row no dogs
0: suck has no the- broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is the front row with tom block and keith jones presented by hobson chevrolet get your best deal the hobson way here's tom block and keith jones
1: Back on the front row, Tom and Keith with you. Thanks to XRM for joining us. Tim Linnefeld will join us next segment. We do need to send a shout out or uh, congratulations is not the right word because they lost, but that women's basketball game on Monday night was a heck of a game with the Knowles having a shot at the buzzer to knock off UConn. Uh, good atmosphere and, again, congratulations isn't the right word because I know Sue doesn't want moral victories, but uh, perhaps a good sign for the Knowles there.
2: Think about uh, what it had uh, been like if uh, Romero had been able to play. And then secondly, uh, just reminiscing that uh, UConn had won 75, 76 in a row, whatever it was, four, count them, four consecutive national championships and had in every one of those victories been victorious by double digits. So this is the first time in 70-plus games that they were really pushed and, uh, and coach sue was doing it uh, without without her starting point guard
1: and if you go back further i think it was like 140 out of 141 games that have all been victories by double digits so Florida State loses by a deuce when the shot went up i thought it was in it looked good I happened to have the right angle that I was lined up I said well that's not left or right but it was just just a little bit off but uh, anyway so the women are one and one but uh, that was good atmosphere and uh, Sue's in her 20th year you know we talked to her last week and she's done a great job and we wish that program continued success as uh, they get into the the heart of the season, and start going. Let's talk a little bit football here, Keith. We haven't done so since uh, after the Boston College game with uh, the Wake Up Knowles primetime Knowles show where we you know, there wasn't a lot to find fault with last week. Really, and I knew it at the time, what people would find fault with is that BC is not a very good football team. So how how do we gauge how much improvement Florida State has made versus the caliber of opponent they're playing?
2: Well, I think you go big picture, and that being, it was a game that Florida State was heavily favored, and for the first time since what? 2012, because I don't, I mean, 2013 2013 is a carve out. But 2012, when you had a team that wasn't number one in the country, wasn't everything, finally playing someone that they're heavy favorites over and and take care of business. I mean, the point is, it's been a while. And uh, you should have beaten uh, BC, which you did. You beat them the way you were supposed to, which is good. So there just wasn't a lot other than nitpicking things to to fret about. That's what Florida State was supposed to do. They went out and did it. It's been a while since we've said that.
1: Being who we are, we're going to nitpick anyway. Although we're not actually at the top of the list of the nitpickers. I think we're pretty, pretty good. We're
2: but probably middle of the road. The right tackle
1: position was a sieve. Now, how does that get fixed? Rick Leonard's going to get a chance this
2: week. I, I don't know. As bad as it was, I don't know. Obviously, the textbook answer is you put a tight end over there or you put a a back on that side to help chip. Uh, I think two things need to be recognized. Number one, it was not a very good game uh, by whoever was there at whatever time. And then secondly, uh, BC's got some players. They're they're maybe not first-round draft picks, although that particular defensive end may have challenged for it. Uh, so it was a combination of some things, but it still shouldn't happen. And I think that's what is most uh, annoying and, and and disconcerting to Florida State fans. I had to go to the,
1: the half-empty side first, right? Because there was a lot on the half-full side uh, with the well, glass. Well, that,
2: that glass is a big glass. And, and it's it totally empty. empty yeah. It's yeah. completely empty. Yeah, that was a big glass. Yeah, I empty. hear you. Uh,
1: BC does not give up much on the ground. And so Dalvin got 100 yards rushing with a quarter to go. Now, Jimbo was creative in how he did that. I mean, he came out and threw, 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 reverse, 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 throw, throw, throw. You know, they mixed it in. But uh, Dalvin had a couple of 20-yard runs in there. He was going to get the record last week. And Jimbo, after DeAndre got dinged, basically thought better of it and said, "Uh, maybe I should sit Dalvin down at this point.
2: Well, let's remember, too, one of the things that is Jimbo's strengths is he will look at the defense and take what was given. Well, they were putting eight and nine in the box. They were not going to let Dalvin Cook run the football. So it was a natural progression thought process-wise that you go over the top, you run some reverses, you get them wide. Um, You know, B.C. was just not – they were simply not going to let that ground be the reason they lost the the, the ball game. Uh, The air attack obviously ended up being their downfall as well. But uh, sometimes you just can't do certain things if the defense is stacked in that direction, and that was the case with B.C. by what I saw. So this
1: week, Florida State gets Syracuse. Syracuse may or may not have their starting quarterback, which will make a big difference because he's a pretty good quarterback, like about every other team FSU has played this year, save for Boston College. Uh, they've, they've faced pretty good quarterbacks, and we'll see with Eric Dungy. Um, general thoughts about what you expect to see from FSU and Syracuse in terms of effort and and just
2: uh... – Well, I think the effort issue has been corrected. I think the kids now understand that the effort <clears> – <throat> pardon me, begins in Jan- on, 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 – instead in, January. Jeez. On Mondays, Monday every week, you reset the tone about what the game is going to be on Saturday and how you practice during that week dictates how you play on Saturday. I think that's been majorly corrected defensively I think what's going to challenge Florida State is as many of our listeners may know is Syracuse runs that up-tempo offense they're going to try to run 90 or 100 plays in any given ball game so you got to go back to the age-old things got to get the call quick got to get lined up got to know what you're doing got to make your checks got to play that'll challenge this Florida State defense because that's not been the case as uh, to such a degree over the last three or four ball games uh, so I'll be looking to see that secondly Uh, This Syracuse defense, I mean, they're they're a Tampa 2 defense. They're going to play a lot of zone. They're going to back up. They're going to make you throw the ball underneath. How how Francois' decision-making goes is going to be how this offense goes in the passing attack. I don't think, I don't think like BC, Syracuse is going to stack the box to try to stop Dalvin uh, because they, they kind of play you know loose and everything in front. It may be a heyday for the rain, a running game this week as, as opposed to last week. And uh, you and I were talking before uh, we began today. You'd love to see Dalvin break Warwick Dunn's record in Doak. That that would be the perfect setting, but I think there's also something real interesting and neat about the fact that he most likely will break it in Syracuse, which is you know the home of the running back in the college football game. And because of uh, the reasons
1: you just cited, most notably the up tempo thing, Florida State's going to get a lot of at bats, so it figures to be a, a chance to. You know, this is not a this is the opposite of Georgia Tech, where you get limited possessions. You're going to get more possessions right. in this game, so there will be a lot of at bats here. You know, Dalvin. I want to say he's ninth or 10th all-time in, in ACC rushing right now. But he could, if he rushes for his average, he's going to pass six or seven guys. He's yeah, going they're to bunch, to, I they're think he's going together. to go fourth all-time. Yeah. He's going to pass Warwick. He's going to pass the 4,000-yard mark uh, because he's 50 or 60 yards or whatever it is from that. Uh, and then there's five more guys he's going to pass if he ends up with 4,100 yards. Now, getting to the all-time record is going to take some lifting. He's going to need a 250-yard game times two probably. Uh, out of what he's got left right. to get there. But he is he's going to move up rapidly uh, this week. The the big story, there's been more focus on this, and this sort of died down since Les Miles was let go. Uh, we talked about it then. Then we tabled it, knowing full well that it would come back up the last two weeks of the regular season. And so here we are again, and uh, the reports out of New Orleans is that LSU has contacted Jimbo's agent, and he's listening, which is his job, as you pointed out. Bottom line, I feel like we've had this conversation 100 times. I've probably had it with myself a thousand times. <laughs> what do you
2: think? I I do not see what the uh, advantage to Jimbo is five, ten years down the road about going to LSU versus staying at FSU. Uh, LSU, uh, you know, is a place that apparently, I've never talked to Jimbo about this, but apparently a place that he enjoyed living. Um, he, he, he he's an outdoor, outdoorsman, a sportsman. There's all types of activities like that out there. Uh, by all accounts, he still is at least reasonably connected with the upper echelon of the LSU boosters uh, because of his time there. Uh, but I go back to the things that we've harped upon that I just think are, you know, we talk about, he talks about the clutter, well, in this case, the clutter associated with a move to l s u is very significant uh, Number one, there wasn't a you know he's close to some of the upper echelon boosters we're led to believe, but there wasn't this overwhelming hue and cry of of despondency and oh or what are we going to do when he left that I recall. And then secondly, the issue with the boys. You hate to bring them into the to the equation, but uh, Jimbo is not going to coach somewhere where his sons are not living, in my opinion. He, he's a lot of things, many good, a few bad, but the one thing he is is a father. And he takes that responsibility, as he should, and admirably so, very serious. And I just don't know the family situation being compatible with him returning to Baton Rouge Again, I've never talked to him about it. Uh, He and I are not that close. If he asked me, I'd give him my opinion, but I'm not going to walk in there and volunteer it to him. Uh, (laughs) I just don't see it uh, being a better situation in LSU than what he has at FSU five, ten years down the road. And I do think, we've not talked about this, but I do think that Jimbo is one of these coaches that he's not going to coach well into his 60s. I think he's going to – you know, he's, he just turned 50, I believe. I mean, he may only coach another 10, 12 years. He's not, he's not a lifer. He's not a Bobby. Uh, he's not a Joe Pa, uh, in my opinion. He'll take uh, that time and, and revel in it and enjoy it, but then he'll go and, and enjoy some of his latter years in retirement, not having to, to work at the same uh, pace that he's had to in order to get there. Uh, you put all that together, I don't see it. Maybe I'm blind.
1: No, I, I agree, and for the same reason, the family reasons would be a factor in there too. I might disagree on the how long he would coach thing. Obviously, coaches make so much now that none of them need to coach as long as Bobby and Joe Pod did. But when you're around Jimbo, he talks ball 24-7. I mean, there's when we chit-chat, when we're taping his show, we're not talking about the presidential election. If we happen to be talking about some other than FSU football, it's related to sports, and it was the game last night. I mean, he just talks recruiting and finding the next guy, and the next play, and, and, and it just but, seems to be how he's wired. But, but, he's, I,
2: but he's very compartmentalized. He You know, when he was going through the divorce, when he's going through Ethan's illness, he would be focused over there, and then he could change gears, change that switch, and get refocused over here. He's very compartmentalized that way. I believe there's a part of him that would like to get refocused on hunting or fishing or or whatever another interest of his is, and he would just go all in to that.
1: Yeah, he could. I mean, we're we're basically throwing darts blindly at the wall here. We don't know what he's going to do in terms of how long he wants to coach or whether he's going to go to LSU or not, but I do agree with you. I don't think that he will, uh, and you you laid out a lot of the reasons there. Another one would be that his best buddy in coaching is Nick Saban, and I can't answer the question. He talks to Nick on a regular basis weekly at least uh as to whether he really wants to get in the same division with him and coach against him and not have that mentor to bounce things off of we gotta is that it nope that's it that's it for now all right we'll ask tim lenefelt all the difficult questions we always do that when he joins us he do won't we have... have
2: to prepare those fast questions like we did last Let, time that we was... didn't prepare yeah, for yeah, yeah let's
1: prepare about right a little, right little now, heads up please. in the break we're gonna okay we'll do some rapid fire with tim when we but come back do here that. on the this front row way. stay with us
0: You are listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Only on 979 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Back on the front row and bad company lives on. You know, now that we're three weeks into this, maybe we should have picked something that was a little more uh, upbeat because uh, although it's nice not Tim, to have to Tim's change.
2: laid back. He's laid back. He's not excitable. I'm
1: just glad we're not having to ask every week for new walk-up music as our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim, how are you?
4: I'm doing good, Tom. How are you?
1: Doing well. It's been a pretty good week for Florida State. Football team played well. Soccer team one men's and women's basketball off to a good start that women's game the other night was tremendous i know they lost but that was a heck of an effort against uh yukon the men's team was one point away from having seven guys in double figures last night i mean there's there's a lot going on on com right now
4: there is and all of it's you know pretty good so uh it's definitely exciting time like you mentioned football game. yeah kind of you sort of see the Live at the end of the tunnel is the proper term, but things are getting pretty close to the end of the regular season there and basketball getting going. And Like you said, the men's basketball team, I think, has looked about as good as you could ask it to over its first two games. and The women's team uh, looked about it as good as you can in a, in a two-point loss, so pretty close to a program-defining win. Uh, and Instead, has got what I think is a really encouraging sign for the rest of the season, knowing that you can hang with the number one team in the country, really more than hang with the number one, team in the country all oh, while uh, your best player is is sidelined by an injury so uh lots of good things are on campus right now
1: hey tim bear with me for just a second here we don't want to mention cell phone carriers and if this is a university issued phone we don't want to disclose that but keith and i and even tom we're we're just going to chip in and get a new phone for you for christmas i think because this is what it sounds like this, and then it sounds like really? this and then it goes like this and then it's like it's yeah, so I mean, weird. I, I, you and know, know what I'm, it is? And it happens every week, and I've noticed there is a parallel, but your phone needs the same amount of time to warm up that the Florida State offense does on Saturdays. I
2: mean, there's maybe that's of, it. By that's the time it. we maybe get to the it. middle
1: of the interview, the phone is crisp. I don't know if it's you, the phone. I mean, am I wrong here?
2: I'm going to go with operator error, and that's really <laughs> hard to do on cell phones today. All right. And I'm the one who's great. had I mean,
1: the cell phone issues here of late.
2: I don't uh, know, you guys sound great.
1: Well, well thank you. Thank appreciate you. it you're the first one that's told told us that this season we both
2: we we both have a face made
1: for radio yeah we do we
2: sound good
3: yeah yeah
1: the uh Uh, so is there any news from the i feel like uh, because florida state played so well against bc we haven't been nitpicking as much maybe it's uh that maybe it's lack of interest in the Syracuse game maybe it's just that the Jimbo to LSU stuff is starting to dominate but I don't feel like there's been a ton coming out of camp is there uh, as we're in the middle of the week is there anything we need to know about what's going on at football practice right now
4: not really uh you know the only thing that I think would make uh, a little bit of headlines on if you saw is that they're going to sound like they're going to go with Rick Leonard again at uh at right tackle so I think that has at least some some degree to do with with Brock Rubel still dealing with a uh a groin injury but I think part of it might just you know trying to get somebody else in there and see if they can have any more success, see if, if Rick's maybe put some more things together over the last few months. So, uh, that's that's probably the big thing. Other than that, no, not a ton.
2: Well, what defensive end for Syracuse do we want to make an All-American of on Saturday?
4: <laughs> well, to be fair, the kid from Boston College was already probably an All-American. So, uh, so I don't know that that'll, that that'll work out. But, you know, one thing I thought was interesting is they, they do have, uh, Syracuse has really good receivers. Uh, there's a Two, two schools uh, that, that have multiple players in the top ten for receptions uh, in the ACC. Clemson has two and Syracuse has three, so something to keep in mind.
1: Which means that uh, you're suggesting that Florida State's secondary for that reason and the up-tempo nature of needing to get lined up and play assignment football might challenge uh, FSU.
4: Well, I think so, but then you know what? The other side of that is it just sounds like Syracuse's quarterback isn't going to play. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of, little bit of give and take.
1: I think it was you and I had forgotten this. Was it you that uh, refreshed our memory that Rashad Green broke the all-time receiving record at Syracuse two years ago?
4: It was me. It was me. In fact, I uh, I looked that up just the other day because I couldn't remember if it was the receptions or yardage record. It was actually receptions. He broke the the uh, the record for for career receptions at Florida State uh, at Syracuse two years ago. So he broke
1: that record, and Dalvin's going to break the all-time rushing record. In the the, let's hope. In you don't think he's going to get 19
4: yards? I think he will. (laughs) (laughs) but if i i think if he doesn't it's because something bad happened
1: well i yeah i would i would concur it's also like he got left at the
2: hotel
4: (laughs) that could be that could be i was thinking more you know he he rolled an ankle on yard 18 or something we don't need that either but uh just saying i don't i don't want to assume anything that's all but yes if everything goes normally he will break that record pretty easily if he
1: rolls an ankle, we're going to put Patrick in, in the backfield, and he and Freddie are going to – the ball will go to Dalvin, and they'll pick him up, and then they'll it's move him, him up, forward yeah. for two yards to get the record.
4: I think that's fair. I think that's
1: fair. It's I also the, the building where Terrell Buckley had the famous fake uh, fair catch that earned him the moniker, the Fula from Pascagoula years and years ago. So there's a lot of history in this building, and, and most notable, Tim, is that as old as it's it is, it's, it wasn't around when when my partner here, Keith Jones, played <laughs> football at Syracuse. They didn't have the Bro. team yet then.
4: Where were they playing then? Archbold Stadium. No kidding. I was no. going to
1: guess the Coliseum. It was Archbold
2: Stadium? No, that's where they had the <laughs> Lions. And
1: <laughs> Let's talk basketball, Tim. Men's team 2-0. That's not surprising. What uh, have you been most impressed with thus far?
4: Uh, a few different things. Uh, probably most most importantly, I think, is the depth. And I know it's not a very exciting answer, but and they just have so many combinations of guys and so many different players who can do different things. That uh, I think that's going to serve them so so very well, and that if you know it's not working for for one player, or if it's one combination, you know the, their big lineup isn't working as well. They can they can switch it around. Whereas you know last year their their rotation didn't go more than eight or nine players at any given time. So you, you saw last night against Iona that Phil Kofer brings to the lineup, what Jarquez Smith brings to the lineup. Leonard Hamilton said after the game that he thought Phil and Jarquez were the MVPs of the game. I don't know that he would have ever said that at any point last year, especially not with Phil Kofers, since Phil didn't play for so much of the season. So uh, that, to me, is probably the biggest thing. And then also, it's hard not to be really impressed by Jonathan Isaac. I mean, he is just—he's something else. And to see the you know that kind of player play at Florida State, I don't know that they've ever had a guy like this. And you know, it's one thing to say you know he's a, a high school All-American, five-star recruit, all that, and you, and you think to yourself. Uh, you know, the, he's the kind of guy that Duke or Carolina, they sign four or five of him every year, but I don't know if they sign four or five like this from a physical standpoint, he's, I, he's as, as quick as I've ever seen for a guy, his size, he's he's surprisingly strong. If you look at it, he, he's really kind of skinny. He's so tall, but he can really go up and get the ball. Uh, we saw him at one point take, I think about two strides from the three point line to the basket and finish at the rim. Uh, he's going to be a problem matchup wise. I I don't know that there's very many big men that can hang with him uh, from a speed standpoint. And I don't know that there's uh, very many other forwards or guards that can hang with him from a physicality standpoint. So uh, a really impressive player and and only two games into his career. I think that uh, he's got a really bright future ahead of him this year.
1: Tim, it was such a hit last week. Our inbox was full as a matter of fact, with requests to do another round of rapid fire. So are, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. We're going to start with basketball. They've got two games. They've got Winthrop and Detroit Friday and Sunday. So the number of times after scoring 99 last night that FSU hits the century mark, the over-under is a half. Over-under. Under. Under. Number of carries for Dalvin to set the record this weekend. Over-under is two and a half.
4: I've already had this conversation with uh, with my buddy, Lane Hurt. I say three, no over.
1: Number of possessions for the FSU offense on Saturday. The over unders uh, football we're talking here fifteen and a half.
4: Under, uh, you know, over, over. Sorry.
1: Okay. Number of interceptions by McFadden. We're setting the bar at a half. Over. Nooney Murray punt return for a touchdown. A half. Under. Missed calls by the ACC officials. Three and a half. stain <laughs> <laughs> Number of timeouts called by Jimbo because a receiver lined up wrong. A
4: half over.
1: Number of times the injury tent goes up for DeAndre Francois. I'm setting that at one and a
4: half. oh gosh, uh under, under.
1: All right, that's that's all we got. I do want to point out that Keith Jones had great input on this, as we actually spent some time to research. We thought it. about it for we a thought little bit about ahead of time. That was good. What we haven't done is is mark your scores and follow up the next week, so we need to do that. We, well, they're uh,
4: still there, yeah. You get like a spreadsheet or something.
1: Yeah, we need to get a spreadsheet, and we could bet like a ham sandwich or something in a diet. We're Coke not going to compare
2: that to mine and your scores on predicting on the pregame football show, are we? No. I, don't I think we could do
1: that. No, no, though uh, we did get one upset, right? I had Georgia last week. I picked Georgia, I Georgia also. I Georgia over Auburn. I, I got Georgia. that one. All right, Tim, we're done. We will uh, see you. You'll be in Syracuse, right? You're at every game. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll see oh, you this weekend. All right, Sounds excellent. Safe travels. We'll catch up with you soon. That's our seminals.com right. insider, Tim Linnefeldt. We are just about out of time. Uh, if there's anything else from an over-under standpoint we need to address, we'll do so after we uh, – How much
2: money do I have to give for Tim's phone?
1: Yeah, over-under 199 is what I'm going to say there. We'll take a break come back. I was driving.
2: back. Me and Dale were singing.
0: Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979espnradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: We'll finish up. I want to finish up on a basketball note here, Keith, and I think I shared this story with you already, but in light of Jonathan Isaac. And he's only two games in. And in basketball, as we talked about, you don't tend to miss on recruits. I mean, because it's a little easier to evaluate. It's an in, There's individual games. So if, if a guy is tabbed as a five-star recruit, chances are he he probably can play. It's not like an offensive lineman where you really don't know till you get him there. But uh, Jonathan Isaac was – I was at the basketball training facility. This is before they opened the season. And I was talking to some of the players in, in advance of doing some of the broadcasts. And Charlie Ward happened to be there that day. I guess it was – now that I think about it, it was Friday afternoon before the Boston College game. So Charlie Ward came through, and uh, Sam Lunt, the longtime athletic trainer who FSU family and fans would know, I mean, he's in his 29th year. Uh, this is by the training room. Charlie walks off, Jonathan Isaac walks by, and Sam points to him. And if you if you know anything about athletics, you know that the trainers can tell you anything you want to know and don't want to know about a student-athlete, basically in terms of Who's a good guy, who's not, who works hard, who doesn't,
2: because they know They know if they show up for their – they know what they and, know. And Sam, in particular, will not volunteer that information unless he has something to say. He's very, very quiet and to himself na- from a natural and standpoint. And this was unprovoked, but he looks – it was
1: Chuck Walsh, the sports information director, and myself, and he points at Jonathan and says he has the exact same personality and demeanor as that guy, and he points to Charlie Ward. Now – Think about, that's a pretty strong statement from a guy who knows him, and you're talking about it, and especially when you juxtapose that with sort of some of the issues that have happened on the football side with five-star guys and are we working hard enough. And So that told me, and now, again, we're two games into his career, the guy's got skills, but if that is true, that's a strong statement.
2: Well, you and I had a conversation, again, preparing for the season with Stan Jones, the associate head coach for men's basketball, and the one comment that I came away from is, uh it, and i'm paraphrasing here but stan said uh, that 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 jonathan doesn't know how good he is therefore he still works hard and and that will perpetuate <laughs> him getting that much better if you think about it
1: well and maybe it'll be that uh no matter even when he does realize that that he'll still work hard you know if that's if that's the way he's wired all right Keith and I have made a living out of not working hard, and uh, we're going to continue to do so. And uh, we'll join you again next week right here on the front
2: row, right? Well, I was going to take uh, uh, and tell our listeners, I, I went back to look at my notes from the ACC kickoff meetings for football. Oh, we're, we're out of time. Make a quick, deal. And I got a quote from Dino Barbers. Bavers, yeah. Yeah, Bavers. Yeah, Consistently good, not occasionally great. That would kind of be us. i don't know it might be once
1: in a while good and generally mediocre i don't know we'll go with that all right we're done have a great week everybody we'll talk to you next week